0: Welcome to our podcast on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. I'm so pleased to be joined today by Anthony Balistrieri, the owner of Godfather Restaurant. By the way, if you're ever in San Diego, you want to check this place out, Godfather Restaurant. It's on Claremont Mesa Boulevard in the heart of San Diego. And their website is godfatherrestaurant.com. Before I introduce Anthony, the owner, I just want to tell you something personal here is that I've been coming to this restaurant. I just made the calculation for 21 years I've been coming here. Uh, I started coming here when our company moved to this area and Anthony has done everything for our company from Christmas parties to actually catering our baby shower. So it's a fantastic place. It's my favorite restaurant in San Diego. And with that, I want to welcome Anthony to the program. Anthony, welcome to smallbusinesshorsepower.com.
1: Hey, thanks for having me
0: oh our pleasure the pleasure is all ours I was reading a little bit on the background from the website I was on there and it was talking about how your father came over 1967 from Sicily from the Palermo area and that he founded this restaurant with your mom his wife in 1974 and I just wanted to get a little background on that first of all have you ever been to Sicily
1: I have uh, in 1987 I was there for uh, pretty close to two months.
0: Tell me about that experience for you going there.
1: Uh, it was fantastic. I had just graduated from high school and my dad was the first time he had gone back since 1967. So we uh, we were able to go, my mom, my dad and I, and um, you know, found uh, so many cousins and aunts and uncles that, uh, that I had never met before and pretty much had the time of my life. I was 17 years old and uh, couldn't have been any better. That's great.
0: Just looking at your background a little... You went to high school here, Madison High School, and then you went to San Diego State via Mesa College. You ended up, you were just telling me here, offline at San Diego State. What did you graduate in and was your vision that as soon as you graduated, you were going to join this business or you had other ideas at the outset?
1: I was a political science major and grown up in the restaurant and wasn't even sure that I wanted to stay in the restaurant business. But as it turned out, uh, you know, the family needed help, so uh, so I stuck with it, and uh, all these years later, what is it, 30, 33 years later, I'm still here?
0: So you weren't sure you wanted to go? It wasn't like I want st- to take over this business.
1: No, I really wasn't sure, but it was, you know, it was a place that I grew up in and, uh, you know, the family was here and and needed the help. So, uh, so I just stuck with it. Tell me
0: about that help. Wasn't it a combination of your father and his brother initially or uh, an uncle that moved and started another restaurant? Give me a little background on Godfather Restaurant.
1: Yeah, originally it was uh, my father, my mother, and, and two of my uncles, my father's brothers so they started the restaurant in 1974 and after the first year one of the uncles uh, got out and uh, for about the next 12 years um, my one uncle and my dad stayed together but you know as the business was growing they decided to uh to move on and uh so uh my uncle opened up or, or had already opened up a pizzeria in la mesa and then changed it to godfather which uh it's no longer there Uh, but he was there for a number of years uh, with the same name, and then we were here in Kearney Mesa.
0: Talk a little bit about that, the politics of the family, you know, keeping a business in the family. I'm sure it has a lot of pluses, but some challenges in that as well.
1: Yeah, you know, my dad and his brother, as the business was growing, it was really too small for two people, so they decided uh, to split up, and uh, like I said, my uncle already had the property in La Mesa, so he opened up The Godfather out in La Mesa. My mom and dad, stayed here and then with the help of you know me and my my siblings they just move forward but as far as the politics go I mean it's a little bit difficult it's a little bit challenging being in a family business but yet there's a lot of rewards to it as well I mean I'm I'm with my parents pretty much every day, so I get to see them all the time, Uh, even though they might not be here all day. I basically get to see them every day and spend time with them, and and not everybody has that opportunity to spend that much time with their parents, who, you know, I love and get along with.
0: And by the way, that's really been on my mind, because I see your father, every all 21 years I'm coming here, he's in the kitchen quite often, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how that has, he still works in that kitchen, and how that's helped business because you talk to a lot of restaurant owners and they say the biggest thing is having consistency at that chef position, and that's the hardest thing to find. And has that really helped you knowing that you've got him in that kitchen and that that food is going to come out with consistency?
1: No doubt. It's really everything for us. You know, while uh, while we're blessed and fortunate to have many good employees, uh, many of whom have been here for many, many years, Uh, some of them have been here 20 plus years. But with that said, having him in the kitchen overseeing everything that goes out, and making the sauces early in the morning and the soups and basically having that quality control is really what's kept it so consistent over all these years.
0: But yeah, that's a really important point, is the fact that he's in that kitchen and and that food comes out consistency wise. And I want to ask you a little bit about that too, because what is that differential between operating a family owned restaurant versus a chain? Like if you go to if I go to dine at one of these chains, the food may not be as great. But one thing is it always tastes the same, I find. Whereas if you go to a smaller restaurant, Restaurant or a family-owned restaurant, you have that luxury of having your dad and having that consistency, but is that a challenge for a small restaurant?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in a corporate situation, basically everything's cookie cutter. When while it may not be the best you've ever had, it is good quality and it is consistent in those types of places. But there's a specific recipe and, and everything's measured and accounted for. And the product comes out tasting the same. You know, for us, where it's more of a family type type of situation, you know, you have chefs who are making and creating things. And so having uh, pops in the kitchen uh, certainly helps us maintain that consistency and quality that we've been able to do for 45 years now.
0: How often is he in the kitchen? Is it every day or?
1: Yeah, he's here. He comes in every single day, usually leaves uh, sometime about noon or so. But a lot of times, uh, even on Friday and Saturday nights, he'll come through. My mom comes in and and helps me host on the weekends. And uh, so you'll see him pass through from time to time. So
0: if he had decided to retire, what kind of direction would you have gone? Then you're hiring someone else and looking for that consistency in a different way? or how would you visualize that
1: Well again you know we would we would maintain all of our recipes and then yes you know we'd have to replace him with somebody that was able to oversee the whole operation and maintain that quality control
0: Speaking of that I always felt and but you tell me because you're the expert I'm not in this I love Italian food it's favorite but uh, I always felt that if you go to an Italian restaurant for me the sauce is the key. Is that, am I correct in that or not?
1: The sauce is everything. It's basically your trademark. Because
0: once I went to a restaurant in Montreal and it was uh, recommended to me, and the owner, who didn't even speak French or English, uh, she only spoke Italian, they invited me in the back. I asked, and it's the first time I've been in the back of a family owned decent restaurant like this. And I looked at the pasta. And it was the same kind of pasta I buy off the shelf that was in her place. But she was really focused on showing me how the sauce is brewing. That was the first time I knew that these kind of restaurants didn't make their own pasta. I think I asked you about that once.
1: Yeah, I remember when we talked about that. Uh, that was, what, probably seven or eight years ago? So I remember the story. You know, I remember telling you that it really is the sauce. I mean, homemade pasta, some of it is really good, but for most of us, it's really too soft. So it's really not what we're used to having. I prefer pasta that we purchase and putting the right sauce on it, basically.
0: And you've had that sauce since the beginnings.
1: The same, same sauce.
0: How is that designed, though? Does someone come with that recipe? Or how does that recipe evolve?
1: That's my dad's recipe, and we haven't changed it in 45 years. It's exactly the same as it was day one. So
0: day one, he has his recipe. He puts that out. And for 45 years, that recipe carries through.
1: Correct. And while the rest of the menu, we've added things and subtracted things, uh, the menu really does have to evolve. We're very proud of how it has evolved to this point. But the one thing that's been constant through all these years is the sauce is exactly the same as day one. It has never changed one bit.
0: While you were talking, I was just thinking, because I'm in a different type of small business, but inventory is so important. So in one way, it's great to have inventory, but there's a cost of carrying inventory. In the restaurant business, how do you balance the desire to have a larger menu because you want your clientele to feel like they have a lot of options versus the fact that some items, as much as you'd love to have, them don't sell as well, if you will. And there's a cost in keeping that inventory on the shelf. Am I correct in that?
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but I think it's like that in any type of business. And obviously it's something that we have to be very, very careful with. Even with our wine and liquor supplies, it's the same thing. I mean, you have to have products that are selling and selling fairly quickly, it's you just don't want to keep that type of inventory. With that said, you know, when your chefs, my dad, are very creative and... You know, you buy a certain amount of products and if something isn't selling, you create a special using the same product that maybe does sell and you constantly are putting out specials and things to use all those products in a timely fashion because, I mean, obviously you you have to get them out the door. Very
0: interesting on that. The other thing is when I look at the costs of a restaurant, uh, I see so many people say, well, they raise the rents on me and I can't afford to stay in this space anymore. Sometimes it seems like it's not that the restaurant wasn't making some level of income, but the rent superseded how much the restaurant can make. Did it help you a lot? Because I happen to know that you own this whole complex. Did that help you a lot in terms of solidifying your cost base?
1: Yeah, it most definitely has. That's the struggle for all small businesses, especially restaurants. When you add up the rent increases, the um, minimum wage increases, and the cost of your goods that are sold. Restaurants have continually, especially over the last 10 to 15 years, see their margins shrink. Restaurants used to operate at maybe a 20, 25% profitability if you were on your game. And that's really shrunk down to between 7 and 10%. So that's a significant loss. But no doubt, I mean, there's still a mortgage, obviously, but the reality of it is, is at least that's constant. Whereas when you're signing a lease, you get a five or 10 years that eventually runs out and then your rent some cases goes up by 50 60 percent and it really becomes a, a big struggle and i'm fairly certain that if it wasn't for owning this we might not be here today
0: yeah i was in the little italy in the bronx like the real little italy and i met the daughter who's now the owner third or fourth generation and they were there since like 1910 and she looked at me and said we love this place but if we didn't own this building we wouldn't be here today
1: no doubt it's just the way it is. But I think a lot of businesses are faced with that.
0: Absolutely. And you get also some income from the other tenants that you have in the Correct. building. So that helps as well. Correct. We're talking to Anthony, the owner of Godfather Restaurant, Claremont Mesa Boulevard, San Diego, California. My favorite restaurant in San Diego. I love this place. I'm in the famous Godfather booth now. I'm looking up and I see James Con looking at me, uh, some of the famous celebrities That have been in the Godfather booth. And I'm so happy to be talking and joined by Anthony today. Anthony, when I walk in here, it's amazing. When I'm here from lunch, it's as totally different feeling and atmosphere than if I come with my family for dinner. I mean, first of all, it's noisier at lunch, but at dinner, it's a little darker. You've got the piano man. Sometimes he used to come in Saturday night and so on. But I always found this place so transformative between lunch and dinner. Is that by design? Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: It's actually not by design, and I feel it too. There's definitely a different vibe between lunch and dinner. At lunch, we're blessed with many business people, some locally from this area and some coming from other parts of the county. It's more of kind of a just business attitude, and you know, you don't get the families in here like you have at night, and we're blessed to have that as well. So at night, when you've got the piano going and families here having a good time, yeah, there's no doubt it feels different. Both are good in their own way. It is, but it is there definitely is a different vibe.
0: What about catering? How much of the business percentage-wise is catering versus having walk-in diners and so on?
1: It's a very small percentage. We're lucky to have the catering jobs that we do, but mostly it's corporate events where they're picking up trays of food and bringing it back with them. Or on the uh, occasion that we do deliveries, it's mostly just set up, drop off and leave type of thing. So it's not a huge percentage of our business, but but it certainly does help.
0: Speaking of helping, how much of a restaurant's business is alcohol and drinks versus food as a percentage and how important? important is let's say a wine collection to a restaurant and the third part of my question is i walk in here i usually don't go to your bar on the left side but at night or even during lunch how many people just come and sit at the bar and have a drink
1: well to answer your last question first we've never really promoted the bar business so while we do get people that will come and sit at the bar there's not very many at lunch it's more at night but with that said our main thing is having a bar that services our dining customers. And while people are welcome to come to the bar, it's not really a bar atmosphere. It's more of an an area that people will sit at lunch to dine, but not really uh, cocktailing. As far as the percentage goes, it's hard to say. It kind of goes in all different directions. So at lunches, you're not selling very much alcohol, if any at all. Whereas at nights, when you have people ordering wine and maybe a cocktail or two, the numbers go up a little bit. With that said, as far as a percentage goes, I think the rule of thumb, in this business is that if you're doing 40% alcohol sales, you're in pretty good shape. If you take a corporate restaurant that promotes their bar business, then then obviously that percentage is going to be a little bit higher.
0: I've talked to people who always tell me getting, I don't know in San Diego, you'll educate me, but getting a liquor license is so hard. So when I was listening to what you're saying, it's kind of interesting that you guys have not over the years promoted that bar part of the business. It's a supplement to what you do. I find that interesting, knowing how hard it is for people to get a liquor license. Was that intentional or just kind of evolved from when your father started it that way? Or
1: We've always really been focused on our dining business. I mean, we're here, we really want to take care of customers that are coming in to dine. And like you said, while the alcohol sales are supplemental and it is a big part of our business. That has never really been our focus. We've never really wanted a happy hour. We've never really wanted that late night bar crowd. Not that that's a bad thing. It just doesn't fit what we do here.
0: Right. You have to define like any other business who you are and be true to yourself. And that doesn't fit your model.
1: No, it doesn't fit it at all, and uh, we've been very careful as to not promote that. Aside from that, the bar area here is relatively small, so it doesn't really lend itself for a big bar crowd, and it's mostly a room where there's uh, five or six booths in there. People can sit and dine, which they do regularly. There's a lot of our regulars that like to sit in that room, for dining purposes. We have a few bar stools out, and while uh, we welcome and encourage people to come and have a cocktail, uh, that's really not our main focus. What
0: really gives you the most satisfaction from this business? I mean, obviously, making money as any business, that's the thing, Uh, the number one thing, you want to feed your family. But besides that aspect, what is it, for example, knowing that if I walk in tonight that you feel like I've had great Service that night, knowing that your food is consistent in its taste? Is it ambiance? What are you looking for in terms of feeling good when you drive home?
1: Well, you know, all of the above. Uh, We're really proud of the restaurant. We're proud of the atmosphere that we've created. So many things, so many aspects of this business are rewarding. But I'd say if I had to pick one single thing, it's all the wonderful people that we've met over the years. We've had an, an incredible amount of support. We like you and I, we've become friendly over the years and have gone out to lunch together. And That's the most rewarding part is meeting people like yourself and forming a relationship with them that ends up being lifelong relations.
0: Oh, I love going out to lunch with you. Now, getting you out to lunch isn't always easy. I'm going to tell my listeners, but if you do, if you get Anthony out, you guys are going to have a great time. And I'm still working on that. That's really great. And let me ask you a follow-up question to that. What makes people comfortable back? I mean, if it's one thing that you can put your finger on in your mind that would bring someone back to your restaurant.
1: Well, I think food and service have got to be on point. And while I don't consider us a five-star restaurant, I'm very proud of our service staff. They're very polite, very friendly, very accommodating and, of course, efficient. You have to have that consistency. You have to have good, consistent food. And I think that's ultimately what brings the majority of people back. And you know, after that, I mean, people coming in to see my dad, people coming in to see me. I mean, I I think it's all hand in hand where many people have different reasons for coming back to a place. But but I think that's it. I think it's us. I think it's the food and the service.
0: Are people really price sensitive in restaurants? Like if I walked in and I saw eggplant parmesan was $23.90, but let's say the next time I walked in a month later, the new menu came out and it was, I, I don't even remember what these prices are, but let's say someone was like that and they said oh this thing is now cuz there must be people like that oh that was 2399 now this is 2599 are they going to look at that and use that as kind of a measuring stick of where they want to come back or as long as they're happy with the food taste, quality, and the service, they'll come back. What's your feeling?
1: I think both are true. I think there's a percentage of people that are price sensitive. One of the things that we've been able to do here is we include a lot. So there's the fried zucchini appetizer. There's a side of pasta, of course, bread. So we're known for large portions. So I think there's a perceived value there. And I think that most of our customers coming in, seeing a price, knowing that prices have to go up at some point, I think the difference is how much do they go up. So if you do small incremental increases over you know a longer period of time, it's more acceptable and people understand that. So we haven't really had any issues or comments about pricing. We're not expensive, but we're not inexpensive either. I think we're moderately priced, but I think there is a perceived value for our particular guests where they understand that, yeah, it's not inexpensive, but we're getting a lot of value by coming to The Godfather. And it's the same with our wine list. I mean, we have a lot of great, fantastic wines, and they're priced very fairly in in today's market. They
0: really are. And how about that wine selection? How important that is in a restaurant? And who does that here? Do you have a person that selects the wines? And how do you go about that?
1: The wine list is mine. I take care of the whole thing. As far as selecting the wines, it's Really, we're trying to choose wines that go well with our food. There's a big market for California wines uh, as well as Italian wines. And I think we've done a really good job of having a decent-sized wine list With a lot of selections, I think there's something for everyone on that list. And most importantly, there are wines that are specifically uh, go well with what we're serving here. And do
0: you find that a lot of people want to bring their own wine or they would rather come? They know they pay a markup, but it's part of the whole package, the ambiance, the desire to have your management of a restaurant suggest to you which wine they should have.
1: Yeah, I think for us, we do welcome people that want to bring in a bottle Uh, There is a corkage fee, of course, but uh, I think that because of the value of our list, the vast majority of guests usually purchase wines here. I'm
0: sure the COVID situation, the COVID-19 has had a big impact, not just on yours, but other restaurants. But uh, how important now has that takeout business become? And are you attaching the Grubhub and the uh, Uber Eats and all these delivery services to your business? Certain things... Things that you probably wouldn't see from this type of restaurant in the past. So if you had to adjust your business model in this COVID-19 situation, unfortunately, we are all facing.
1: Yeah, we've had to make a big adjustment while we've always done takeout. So
0: you've had to redo your packaging for this?
1: The reality of it is, is I think that moving forward, it's going to be a bigger part of our business as people are learning to stay home, especially during the COVID. So we revamped what we were doing, redid our packaging. We redid all of our packaging and moving forward, we expect it to be a much bigger part of our business. So what we've created was a dining at home menu where people can order basically anything off of our menu, take it at home, enjoy it, and hopefully enjoy it enough to come back uh, within a reasonable amount of time.
0: Well, Anthony, it's really been a pleasure having you today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Again, if you're in San Diego or you live here, you really need to check out the Godfather restaurant on Claremont Mesa Boulevard. It's really a fun place to go, whether you're coming for lunch, for business, or you're coming for Saturday night of dining. And Anthony, I want to really thank you so much today for being part of the program.
1: Thanks for having me, and I look forward to seeing you again and and all of your listeners.